Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I'm Marcus Honeyset. Today we're going to have just a short reflection on what it means to be a spiritually healthy church. I'm recording this just before Christmas 2021, so it comes against a backdrop of COVID-19 and particularly the emergence and rapid spread of the Omicron variant, which is causing a lot of concern and distress. Church leaders everywhere are struggling to know how to respond. Many have been hoping that we could get to Christmas and see the light at the end of the tunnel, but that's starting to look unlikely, and honestly, quite a lot of us are wondering how can we be spiritually healthy in the very uncertain days ahead? Or whether, having crawled exhausted to Christmas, the additional pressures in the new year will just be too much for us. When there are multiple competing views in the church about how to respond to COVID, when there's a death in the church or in our own family, When people ask how they should respond to demands for vaccine mandates and then criticise us regardless of what we say, many know that it will only take two or three additional pressures to come together, to coincide, to collide, and it could well make us go under. The start of 2022 is going to be a critical time for church leaders to find very practical ways to cast our anxieties on the Lord who cares for us, and to make sure we have people who feed us, spiritually speaking. And for those of us who feed others, that is not a luxury. It's a necessity. So that's the backdrop to this reflection. Earlier in the year, I was in a seminar in which someone asked the leader of a large church what kind of measures, what kind of metrics of success they use in their church. And he replied, you know, I just don't care about that. Only one thing matters, and that is, are we vibrantly spiritually healthy? Are we vibrantly spiritually healthy really gets to the heart of things for me. Because if a church is vibrantly spiritually healthy, nothing else matters. Or, to put it differently, everything else either flows out of being vibrantly spiritually healthy, or it's some kind of good-looking substitute for it. Some churches assume that they are spiritually healthy because they're big, or because they have a good worship band, or programs and home groups. And they may be healthy, but just having those things isn't what demonstrates it. You can be healthy without those things, and you can be unhealthy with them. There are plenty of Bible passages we could look at to explore the theme of being spiritually healthy churches. We could... uh, Look at 2 Corinthians 3, for example. Disciples beholding, gazing at the glory of the Lord, getting transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. We could look at Peter writing to all the scattered believers that they were full of joy inexpressible and full of glory because they were receiving the goal of their faith, the salvation of their souls. And he highlights his overall purpose in chapter 4 of his first letter, so that in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. And that's healthy church right there. God being praised through Jesus in all things. Him getting the glory. We could look at the Ephesian church. Delighting in redemption through Jesus' blood. 
forgiveness of sins according to the riches of grace which he lavished on us, and every spiritual blessing. Wonderful, healthy church, but in their case, a little bit sobering, because we read later in Revelation, the Lord Jesus telling them that they are working hard. That's great. You're working hard, but you've lost your first love. You can labour hard under law. You can make something look so good. But whether it's spiritually healthy is revealed by whether their hearts are alight in the love of God or not. That's the difference between duty and delight. Or we could look at Colossae, being urged to always give thanks. Glorifying with thanksgiving is basically the Bible's definition of worship. And you're probably familiar with lots of other passages, but at the heart of it is disciples and the community of disciples glorying abundantly in Jesus and then being released by servant leaders to exercise their gifts in his service. I think that gets to the nub of church healthiness. But where I want to home in is uh, Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2. If you've listened to this podcast before, and anybody who knows me, you won't be surprised that I like to think about church healthiness from the end of Philippians 1, uh, where we read that the Apostle Paul wants to visit the church in Philippi when he's released from prison. And he tells us what he wants to do when he visits them. He says, I want to come to you and I want to work with you for your progress in the faith and your joy in God so that you glory abundantly in Jesus. Let me just read the verse to you. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, that is, I won't get executed. I will continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. And then into chapter 2, he says, I want you to have the character and attitude that is in Christ Jesus. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Become imitators, really. Read of the church in Thessalonica that they received the message with power from the Holy Spirit and joy and deep conviction, and they became imitators. So there it is. Paul is saying the purpose of me being with you the thing I most want to see among you in Philippi is your joy in Jesus overflowing because of what I teach you and contribute to you. I want to see you glorying abundantly in Jesus. And to my mind, that is basically what I mean by spiritually healthy church, a church that is glorying in Jesus. Recently, I was speaking at a leaders' event, and one of the delegates told me that they had been to another church on a sabbatical they just had. And they said in this other church, there was a palpable sense of something different. He said, even as I was going into it, it was obvious that people were gathering with a sense of excitement at worshipping God. They were expecting God to be present in power. They were wondering, what's he going to do among us today? He was really taken by that. 
It seems to me that that sense of anticipation and expectation is disturbingly rare among churches gathering on Sundays. Too often we have embraced and normalised low to zero expectations. And then, of course, that's what we get. So different to Paul saying to the Philippians, I want to see you besotted with Jesus. I want to see you imitating him, glorying in him with thanksgiving. And when that happens, as it did in Philippi, Thessalonica, Antioch, elsewhere, the message rings out because people see the difference. They hear the difference. They sense the difference because disciples are overflowing with Jesus. Speaking good news and being good news, being visibly very different to the world around them. God is getting glorified in his people. He's being enthroned on our praises. Perhaps there's been no better time in my lifetime for Christians to be noticeably, distinctively different than at this time when there is so little hope and so much despair in the world. Look at all the surveys in the newspapers saying, do you expect the next couple of years to to be good or bad? And the results are despair, widespread despair. And then there's a people who are glowing, shining like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Of course we're going to be different. Remember back when uh, I was a student, there was a, this thing that did the rounds saying maybe maybe it'll be attractive to be a Christian if we're not very different to the world because we don't want people to think that we're weird. Well, of course we're weird. We should be different to the world. It's just that back then, oh, you know, you can be weird for the sake of being weird and nobody wants that. But back then, there was just this idea going around that not being distinctive might have been attractive for Jesus but then we were just assimilated by the world. Now I think it's very obvious that the world knows that there is something very badly wrong. People know that things are broken. They don't know what it is, but being distinctively a light with the Lord Jesus, lights on in our eyes of worship and love for him, is bound to have an effect for the gospel. That's even more so in situations of persecution. You're full of joy and expressible and full of glory, despite painful, fiery trials. In fact, the inexpressible and glorious joy is the thing that not only keeps you going in fiery trials, it is also the reward. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. And he invites us into his joy. That is the heart of gospel ministry. It's inviting people into the joy of the Lord. So here then are the three things that uh, I want to pull out from the end of Philippians 1 and start of Philippians 2 that are crucial to glorying in Jesus. The first thing that the Apostle Paul says is, I want to continue with you for your progress in the faith. I take that to mean something like learning to be and to live as the regenerated disciple I have been made to be. Uh, Perhaps that's partly theological formation, knowing the truth having that foundation of the good deposit of the the message of the scriptures. But being a disciple is far more than that. Satan knows the scriptures, but is neither living in the truth nor delighting in it. And it's the difference that Jesus points out to the Pharisees. He says, you know the scriptures, but you aren't worshipping the one who's revealed there. 
So theological formation is critical, yes. What do I need to know? Scripture, doctrine, ethics. But not so truth remains in my head, but in order that I live it out. Not just giving mental assent to the truths of the Lord. Well, yes, I know that I'm united to Christ, but it doesn't make much difference day to day. But actually yearning for the revelation of his glory. Deeply desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for him to lead us in the ways of the Lord. So progress in the faith. Being disciples who know God, know the truth and live uh, the truth in the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing I want to continue, he says, for your joy in the faith. I want your joy to grow and to abound and to overflow. If the first thing was theological formation, if you like, then perhaps this is spiritual formation. How shall I grow as a worshipper? That is what we're redeemed for. God says to Pharaoh through Moses, let my people go that they may worship me. The psalmist and the chronicler say, you have redeemed us from the nations, O God, to glorify and give you thanks. That's what creation is all about. So I want to continue with you, says Paul, so you know how to pursue joy in Jesus, appreciating his grace and righteousness given to us, worship, prayer, thanksgiving, spiritual habits for delight, growing in the fruit and gifts of the Spirit and overflowing with joy in Jesus. And then there at the start of chapter 2, the third thing, I want you to have the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to be imitators of him. I want you to become like him. As we gaze on the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into his likeness. We become like who we behold. Theological formation first, spiritual formation second. So this is now, how can I live like Jesus? How can I imitate him? How can I model my character and my life on him. Loving God and my neighbour, making godly decisions in my life, walking in repentance and faith. I do believe that something that uh, hinders this spiritual healthiness for many people is simply life coming at us so hard and fast that we just never Sabbath. In the West we tend not to do holy stopping that allows us to pray, allows us to enjoy God and his good creation allows us to feast, to create the capacity for holy thinking and living, and of course to spend time considering how to put to death things that stop me pursuing him, the thoughts, patterns, habits and sins of the old man. So three things to go with vibrant spiritual healthiness, knowing and living the truth, being worshippers and becoming Christ-like. These are the things that Paul says cause us to glory in Christ Jesus. But don't miss those four little words. He says, I want this to happen on account of me. That is, he thinks he can work with them for this. He's anticipating that they will make more progress in their discipleship walk because he comes and does it with them. That's why in Living Leadership we like to frame our leadership paradigms and teaching around uh, Philippians 1 and 2. We want to grow leaders who work with others for their progress and joy in the faith, glorying abundantly in Jesus, 
and growing in Christ-like character. And that, of course, means that it is critical for leaders who are doing that for other people to have those who do it for us and to also do it for one another. If you want a vibrantly, spiritually healthy church, do you actively teach your people these things? That's quite an interesting question about what we actively teach people. I know very few churches, for example, that actively teach new believers to pray. Praying is very unusual if you've never done it before. We just kind of assume they'll pick up how to pray and pick up a whole load of other things, rather than actively setting about teaching them. It's quite interesting to think about a person who has just become a Christian. Just imagine it. Uh, just come to Christ and they come to you and say, OK, I'm a disciple now, so what's next? I wonder what your answer would be. In many churches, it would be something like, so come to church on Sunday, get involved in a small group. So you've got a, friend, a group of friends uh, looking at the scriptures together. Maybe start to learn to serve in some area of church life. But I wonder, what do you think the answer would be if you asked a New Testament apostle that question? I'm a Christian now, what next? I think their answers might be a bit different. Have you heard about the Holy Spirit? You begin with the Spirit by hearing with faith, so let's get you into hearing with faith. Let's teach you how to receive the grace of God so that you reign in life, Romans 5.17. Let's teach you how to pray. Let's teach you how to imitate Jesus and walk as Jesus did. Let's teach you how to understand his purposes for your life. Let's get you into orienting your life to him being on the throne now. Let's, let's help you learn to live in repentance and forgiveness and be a worshipper. Let's help you discover spiritual fruit in your character and pursue it, and spiritual gifts and how to steward them for the common good. These are the kinds of things that the Apostle wants to work with the Philippians for. He's anticipating they will make progress in their discipleship walk because he's with them. Basically, healthy churches are Jesus-besotted churches. They're grace-filled churches. So, so much comes back to the grace of God because it is the engine. It's, it's the gospel, really. Grace is the wellspring of joy in God. And that in turn is the engine of healthy discipleship. And that in turn is the heart of spiritually healthy churches. And if you're feeling I, we're not in healthiness at the moment, it is worth tracing it back to see where is the blockage on the grace of God and the expectation of the work of the Spirit. Don't just forget that question and think, well, if we just build another good-looking programme, we will get round the problem, because you won't. You'll just build another good-looking programme. But spiritually healthy churches are also churches on a trajectory. You might think, well, actually, so far we've just had a first taste. We're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, but we haven't got very far yet. But that's OK, because it causes you to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock and to earnestly desire for God to do things among you. And he loves to answer prayers like that. The critical thing is not to think, well, we know very little of that, so we will normalise our current experience and say, that's all there is to have. 
No, no, no. Let's not normalize our current experience, but say we feel spiritually impoverished and cry out to him instead. As we look forwards to 2022, I think we might well see a sifting between churches, between those that are actually clinging to the Lord Jesus and desperate for him to work among them, tired and weary and battered though they are, and churches that aren't. Because where before COVID-19 there may have been reasons to be part of that second type, there's going to be very little incentive for people to return in the future. Because people will want to be where the Lord is working in power, drawing close to us, places where we can find refuge in him together. I believe there's going to be some tectonic shifts occurring in the months and years ahead. I pray that the Lord will protect us from simply wanting to get back to previous normal, whether that was healthy or unhealthy, but that instead he will cause every Christian to yearn to be standing on tiptoe to see what he wants to do next in our churches, in this new world that he's bringing into being around us. Along with the Apostle Paul, may we forget what is behind and strain towards what's ahead, pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders, or you can visit our website, www.livingleadership.org, where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings. Blessings.